We're starting a new series. It's called Created for a Purpose. And what we're going to talk about, a little bit about creation, a little bit about us, a little bit about what, it, what, what does it mean to be a church. Um, we, we just did a program. What you saw, if you're new here, that is a, a program we call or a, an event we call Be the Church. The idea behind Be the Church is that um, we don't just get together to go to church, that there's something about being a church. There's something um, mobilizing about that. There's something um, uh, creative about that. There's something life-giving to that. And, and hopefully by the end of this morning, you'll see, I hope, that there's something mysterious about being a church. Uh, one of the, some of the pictures I really love from uh, w- what we accomplished last Sunday was this one. This is one of my favorite ones. This is just a line of wheelbarrows, right? Everybody has a wheelbarrow. Remember, you guys who were there, remember that? And if you weren't there, don't, don't worry about it. You're still allowed in. Um, we, uh, we basically took all the foliage that you saw in that video, and um, we put it through the wood chipper. And, uh, and then um, we scooped all those wood chips up, and we spread it back over the property. So we, we kind of like recycled all, all of that. And so... Um, and so that, I love that picture. This was everyone lining up to get their wood chips to spread back over the property. This is cool because it makes us look like a colony of ants, which I think <laughs> ants are really cool. And so you see just all these blue shirts. This is another one that I love uh, that just kind of shows everybody <clears throat> together. And there was, no, there was no picture, no one picture that really uh, captured the totality of what was happening. Like there was nothing that really just said, this is incredible, except for as I talk to people working, because they keep saying the same thing. This is amazing. This is incredible. I can't believe this. You know, there was just something about it. Uh, here's another picture that I took um, standing on a ladder. I don't do well on ladders, so I, it's probably blurry because I was just like, click, and I'm down. And um, <clears throat> I love this one. Uh, because again, it just shows just all the, 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 the kind of just how we hit this house. Uh, and then here's, here's the little one at the end that this isn't everybody because it was at the very end of the day. And so we ended up having about 120 people there, either working in food or working on that property. And uh, what was really cool about about this this whole one, I mean, typically we do two or three houses. And so uh, this was a different thing for us to just do one house. And the way I got introduced to this house was Cece, who runs this whole program, our Be the Church program. She was with one of the lead workers, Pat Rothenberger, and they, they gave me this video that they took at the house. And basically, it was just like, um, if you've ever seen any documentary about the Amazon, <laughs> okay, uh, that's all it was, was basically just going through the Amazon and hearing Pat go, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like that's, that's the whole thing. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. I mean, it was just like, you know, it sounded like he was being attacked by something, but, um, and and it was just like, and then he'd go like, Oh, (laughs) and so I looked to Cece and I'm like, I'm like, there's no way We, we can't do this. And there were times when we were working where I was looking out over the property and I was just watching. Remember that scene in the video where it's just this long line of people? That did, that did not do it justice. It was just a constant line of stuff coming out where I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. And, and, uh, but, but the totality was very interesting to me 
Because it, it was like people just felt like this was right. As a matter of fact, there's a constant theme that comes up when we do this with the homeowner. There's three things that I think, I, I could be remembering it wrong, but I know for a fact, I can picture like four times this has happened. Three things that come up all the time. The first one is this. I can't believe you're doing this. This happens all the time. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe people actually do this. It's, it's like, and then the second thing is, this is what the church is, should be about. And then the third thing that I've heard over and over and over again, you guys all get along. <laughs> I'm like, you should see us on Sunday morning. No, I'm just <laughs> play, playing around. With, but but, but that, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you, you guys, got, I can't believe you're doing this. This is what the church should do. And you guys all get along. And now, 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 let me just ask you a question before we get into this, the sermon, that if we were wealthy, let's say we were all independently wealthy, <clears throat> and we came to this church, we drove up in our, our Porsche and our, our uh, 700 series. Okay, sorry. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, we, we kind of drive up, and it's like, hey, we're going to transform this house. And we all went, oh, well, I don't want to get dirty. And so we just start <laughs> writing checks, you know. And we, we pile up all our checks and, we, you know, and we, we, we come up with all this money for this house and we hire a contractor, a landscaper, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and then we go and it's like, all right, baby, everybody, here comes, the, here comes the video. And it's like, you know, let's write checks. Let's pay cash. You know, it's like the whole thing. And it's like, like, like and look what we did. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right. Don't you think we would miss something if we just wrote in a check? Here's what I would offer to you. There's something about gathering that feels right. There's something about getting together that that feels right. And even people who wouldn't normally go to church or maybe be part of a faith community or whatever, when they see it happening, they go, man, there's just something about gathering. What I'm hoping to do this morning is look at a section of scripture where Jesus is talking that might shed some light on why it's really important for us to gather. And, and I'm hoping to dispel some myths or maybe reshape a little bit what it means to go to church. This whole thing is called be the church, that you, 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 you don't just go to church, you be the church. Well, that's fine, but what happens the other 51 weeks when you go to church? And so we're going to look at that just a little bit, and then we're going to do something at the end of the service that we can only do when we gather together. And so if you want to turn to it, we're going to go to a section of scripture, Matthew 16. Um, uh, Nate Jones, who's one of our communicators here, uh, was preaching on this very uh, subject three weeks ago. So I'm not going to spend too much time on what he already talked about. He was in our series called Conversations, where we've been talking about answering the questions that God asks us. How do we do that? And so uh, I won't be spending too much time on that, but there's a little snippet in here that Jesus talks about that I think, hopefully, when I'm done this morning, will change the way you think of church. So here's what happens. Jesus has been doing all a bunch of stuff. He's been healing people. He's been walking on water. He's been feeding 5,000. He's been casting out demons. He's been teaching in the synagogue. He's been kind of ruffling some feathers. And so he asks his disciples, the group he's with, um, what's, the, what's the skinny? What's the word on the street as far as who I am, okay? And I don't know 
that he used the word skinny, but he said this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Which is a fair question. What's What's happening now? We, we've been ministering for a while. What are, are, are we doing? Are, are we doing any damage? And so they said this. They, they replied, and as Nate showed a, a couple weeks ago, kind of some weird answers. Some say John the Baptist, which John the Baptist had been beheaded. And so, but Jesus was with John the Baptist. So I don't know how, why they'd think Jesus was John the Baptist. But in any event, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So in other words, people recognize that there's something about Jesus that needs special attention, okay? There's something about Jesus where it's like, I can't put my finger on it, but it is special. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here at church, you're coming back from a long time away, or you were at a different expression of faith or a different denomination or whatever, and, and you're, you're trying something different or what have you, uh, usually when I start talking about Jesus, people realize there is something about Jesus. And so, but if you're not, you know, we can, we can blame the people for saying this, but they wouldn't have really have wrapped their head around what Jesus was trying to do. And so Jesus says this, looks at his disciples and he says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And again, Nate, Nate explored this really well, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But Simon Peter answers, and he says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, what Jesus is going to point out, you'll see in a second, is that you just don't come to that conclusion, or you wouldn't have come to that conclusion right then when Peter came to that conclusion. Um, because the Messiah, if you look at the Old Testament and prophecies and the way they thought about a Messiah, it, wasn't, it didn't match Jesus. Okay, it was going to be a ruler, uh, a Messiah, essentially one who's going to liberate Israel from the oppression of Rome was not going to have little kids come up to him. Okay, that isn't what a Messiah does. And so there were some things about Jesus that didn't match up, and so you'd struggle with that connection, and Peter nails it. He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. As a matter of fact, Jesus is so stoked about this that he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, or, or in your, if you're reading another version, it might say bar Jonah, which just means son of Jonah. For th- this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. In other words, God the father imparted something to you that will bless you. This understanding that I'm the Messiah. You are blessed because of that. Now, we could just stop there, or Jesus just could have stopped right there and just said, great job, Peter. You, you, you got saved, or you understand Jesus, or, you know, this was the whole point, so congratulations. But he takes this idea that this means so much more. This idea that Jesus is the Messiah means so much more that he adds this other little sentence that I hope we can capture this morning. He says, you're blessed because you didn't come to this on your own. Okay, it was, it, was, uh, it was my heavenly father. And he says this, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, when you see the word church, some of you uh, go, (laughs) because church has meant some different things in your past. 
for some of you, you think of church and you think building the church means adding numbers to a church or uh, you think of maybe different denominations. Um, maybe some of you have been wounded by a church. That you were at a place that everyone called church. You should go every Sunday and all this kind of stuff. And they seemed judgmental there. They seemed hypocritical. Maybe they made promises and didn't keep it. Maybe they did things even worse than that. And we, we call this church. The thing is, Jesus never used the word church. In, in fact, Jesus didn't even have a building in mind. Now, I am all for church buildings. I can feed my family because of this church building. This is what I do for a living. But what I'm hoping to do this morning is give you a different idea of what church is. When Jesus used the word church, he used this, well, he actually spoke Aramaic, and then they translated it into Greek, and then we translated it into English. But this Greek word is um, ecclesia, okay? It's, it just means gathering. That's all it means. Church just means gathering. And so Jesus is saying this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my heavenly Father, uh, but my Father in heaven. And now I call you Peter, and upon this rock I will build my gathering. People will gather around this idea that I am the Messiah. And the word, word build doesn't mean expand build, like I'll keep adding more and more people and that will be the church. It literally means these gatherings will come to completion. Upon this idea that I am the Messiah, we will gather around that idea. That's what church is. And so for some of you, you're like, I know, I've been saying that for years, right? Like, why do I need to? And, and, and again, like for people who listen to our podcast and don't attend our church, they're probably on the treadmill right now because it's recorded. And they're like going, see, I told you I didn't need to go to church. Well, to them, I would just say, stop looking at that girl, okay? Number one, if you're at the gym. And number two, uh, just keep listening because what we're going to get to is the idea of what it means to gather and how important that really is. And so in human history, you could make a theological argument that when the church started, uh, when Jesus died on the cross and the church started, that there were no ch church buildings, and you'd be right. There were no church buildings when, when that started. These gatherings, the ecclesia, would meet in people's homes. And so that's kind of how it started. And sometimes in some places they've done some historical things. There were places that had some gathering halls uh, that they think people met at for church for their gathering around the idea that Jesus is the Messiah. But, but there were no church buildings. And then the church, uh, the, the church kind of got power and started building big buildings and started taking control of things and getting into politics and um, um, really being a, a heavy-handed authority on people. And that started getting people upset. And then the Reformation came. And again, this, you guys are like... It's like, this is, uh, welcome to church. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but that's, what, that's what was happening. And then, and then we hit what we call modernity. And that's like what the, the industrial revolution and all that. And church began to change. As we became, came into this idea of, of, of modernity, we started going to church to learn. We started going to church to hear a sermon, 
to be informed. And, and back in the day, everything was in Latin. You didn't even know what the guy was saying. You just come to church. You just come to the gathering. And that, that, and that was it. And, 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 and people met God there. Even when you couldn't understand the priest, people would have spiritual experiences in those gatherings. And so modernity happened, and we started using terms like, I go to church to get the word. You know, I just want to hear the word, man. And that, that's, that becomes a big de- de- deal. And, and, and then post-modernity is now showing up, and there's a generation that's questioning, why do I need to go to church? And they're, and they're thinkers, and they go, you know, it, it, it wasn't church back when Jesus was around, so uh, why do I need to go to church? And so the, the question used to be, and, and some of us are old enough to remember this, you would just ask somebody out of the blue, you take it for granted, where do you go to church? Because that was what we did. We didn't even have uh, stores open on Sunday. Like everything was sur- surrounded this idea that on Sunday you went to church. And there might have been a few people in your town who didn't, but they were like, oh, well, you know, that's what the church was there for, was to talk about those people. You know, it's like they, 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 mission accomplished, you know. Uh, uh, wh- wh- you know where, where, do, where do you go to church? Well, now, because we come to church for a sermon or we come to church to get something, we can get that pretty much anywhere. I have on my iPad, iPod on my iPhone, like five of the best communicators in the world. I can listen to them. I've got our podcast. I've got, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, like I can, I can get a great sermon on a treadmill. I can, I can get everything that I needed to, when I go to church, I can get everything I need just whenever I want. Why? Why go to church? Because Jesus never intended for you to go to church. Jesus intended you to gather in his name. It's upon the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah that we gather here. Now, you may like the sermon, may not like the sermon. You may like the music, not like the music. You may like the person sitting next to you or not like the person sitting next to you. Most of you are going home with that person, so I would hope that you'd like them, uh, at least at some point. And, and, and so, so the, the idea of the church, what Jesus is trying to say, is that when you gather in my name, something happens that wouldn't happen if you were just on your own. So here's the question, really, that you should be asking yourself or at at work. Don't ask people at work this question because they'll punch you in the neck because it doesn't really sound that great. But here's what he said. What gathering in Jesus' name do you prioritize? What gathering in Jesus' name do you prioritize? Not where do you go to church. But is there a gathering that you do consistently, that you prioritize, that you kind of wrap your week around? Do you have a gathering like that? Because there's something mystical, something important about that. Now, several of you might say, yes, it's my small group. And that's fantastic. That would count as a gathering in Jesus' name that you would prioritize. That, that, that is many churches in, in our history were in a house with just a few people gathering in Jesus' name. That is the church. You, you, don't, you can go to that. But the only thing I'd push back a little bit on is, is, is it consistent? You know, if you take the summer off for your small group, 
that's not quite prioritizing gathering in Jesus' name. It doesn't make a very good substitute if you look historically and you look at kind of the model that Paul seems to be talking about all that. There seems to be this weekly rhythm that, that we prioritize the rest of our lives around. This gathering that, that is the center of what we do. Now, now, for those of you who are smart or cynical or whatever, you're like, he's trying to get me to come to church every week. Absolutely, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, so, so watch what happens. So uh, let's review just one second, he says. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my gatherings. I'll, I'll build uh, my church. So when, when you gather around this idea that I'm the Messiah, that, 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 that I am your rabbi, that uh, a life lived model that I've modeled, when you do that, when you gather, when you just come here, and, and Bob has a beautiful way of saying this every morning, and uh, every Sunday, and I just so appreciate it. He says, if you got up, got, re- got dressed, and got here, You've made God happy, but you've done something else, and I can't really explain it. You have blessed those around you just by your presence. Just by being here, you have brought something. Now, you say, well, I don't, you, you need to know my life. If you saw my life, you probably wouldn't want me with you. That's just a lie. It's, you're theologically inaccurate. It's, it's a lie. Just being here does something. If, if, if we wrote a check for Be the Church and we sent contractors there, we would miss a spiritual element of the gathering that happened there, of us just all being together. And what was interesting, if, if you were there, was it didn't matter how small or how old people were. It was just cool to have them there. Why? Because it was a church event. It was a gathering under the name of in Jesus' name. Now watch what happens. I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my gathering. And watch what happens. This is incredible. When you gather, this is why, and again, not to push or poke too much, listening to a podcast doesn't quite do it. If church is all about information, then, then fine. Then, then, then that's okay. But watch what happens. This, watch what happens to this gathering. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gathering is very, very important. Not just the message or the music. Just being here with one another. Even if you're just sitting there. Now, in the fall, we're going to push you to take an even greater step. And that that gathering will happen in circles rather than rows. And that you will maybe commit to a small group. We'll get to that in the coming weeks. But it's this idea that the gates of Hades will not overcome the gathering. It's not the church. It's not coming to church. That's just works and legalism. But if you get the gathering into a rhythm of your life, and if we bless each other with each other, just being here and singing and being a part of it, it really doesn't matter what happens here. Because the gathering, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I just wrote this down. The gates of Hades will not, over, will not prevail over the gathering. Now then, then Jesus goes into some, another verse that if you can explain it to me, God bless you, because I don't 
quite understand what this is. I, I know a lot of the different thought behind what this verse is. But instead of trying to figure out what it actually means, because in some charismatic expressions of faith, it means something different, and in, and, and in different conservative expressions of faith, it means something different. And so you can send me an email of what it really means. That's fine. But what I want you to get this morning is the mystery of it. The mystery of the gathering. That something happens in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven that I can't really explain. And so Jesus says, uh, on this rock, I will build my gatherings all, all over and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And then he says this, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, again, some of you know, oh, I know exactly what that means. I read a book on binding and loosing and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and God bless you. The thing is, it's a mystery. There's something that happens in the gathering. Now, matter of fact, I wrote that down. There's something about gathering in the name of Jesus. That you miss if you're just listening to a sermon. That you miss if you're just in your car worshiping to a worship CD, which is fine. All those things are fine. They're all great. But there's something, when you miss the gathering, you miss something mystical. There's something about gathering in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you have felt this before. Some of you, matter of fact, um, I've met several people who just, when they walked in the back door, they came late or whatever, and they don't really, didn't want to talk to anybody. They didn't want to see anybody. They didn't want to get to know anybody. They're just coming back into church, and they walk through the back door, and they just go, I just felt the presence of God. That's, that's because we're here, gathering in the name of Jesus. You bring a little bit of that every time you come here. This is why we say, we're glad you're here. This is why we say, see you next week. This is why we say, uh, if you got up, got dressed, and got here, you made God happy because it's true. Now, you can push back and you say a little bit, you know, John, look, you know, um, first of all, we're, we're all busy and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff, and you're starting to make me feel guilty, and, and that's the last thing I want No, actually, it's really the first thing I want to do because it makes me feel good. No, but, 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 you know, you, here, here's, if I had it my way, there's about 400 people in this church that call it their church home. If I had it my way, everyone would be here every week. That, that would just be my thing. Now, here's why. Just hear me out. You don't have to believe me, but just hear me out. Is that I have seen this work. I have seen the gatherings bring healing, even when the people gathered didn't even know it was happening. They didn't even know their presence of, 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 of singing, like everyone singing together. They didn't even know the effect it had on somebody's soul because you added your tiny voice to the thing or, 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 or you know, just as we get together and, it, and, and all this kind of stuff. You have no idea the kingdom work you do just by being present, just by bringing what God is doing in your life to a group like this. And so I, I, I make no bones about it. I would like everybody to be here every week. And here's why. Because I think this verse is true. I think that there's something that happens when we gather. And I think when we, when we come and we listen to the word and we sing, and we're just we're together, there's something mystical that happens. I really believe that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against that. And so that's one thing. I believe theologically it's accurate that, that, you know, and some of you are like, does he know we're going on vacation next week? <laughs> like, like, 
No, but uh, I don't look at your calendar. But but don't worry about it, okay? That's not my point. The second thing is I've seen it in my own life. Like I've experienced this. Believe it or not, I've gone to church for months on end where I didn't even like going to church. The pastor was particularly annoying for those three months or whatever. Or I read a book and I was really pumped up about something and that particular church wasn't doing it. And so I would just sit there like, oh, we're missing the whole point. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, and so, and so, but, you know, and so I, I wrestled through that. And then, but, you know, my wife would just be like, I thought you were supposed to be a pastor someday. I'm like, you know, that's the problem with the church today. You're so judgmental. No, but you know, whatever it is. And so fighting through that, I watched the gathering week after week, that rhythm begin to transform my mind and transform my heart to where I, I can, I have several times where I was sitting in a, in a chair at that point, not a pew, but sitting in a chair where I went, you know what? This is ridiculous. And the next week, nothing changed, but I was worshiping with joy because the gathering did that. The, ga- the, the, the enemy wanted to use my pride, and I know this, and I'm better than this. And again, I'm not put, if you don't like something in the church, great. I'm, not trying to, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I watched the gathering transform me. And so all of a sudden, the next week, here I am. I'm raising my hands. I'm stoked. I like the message, whatever. Why? Because the gathering transformed me. Here's the third reason. So one is, I think it's theologically accurate. Number two, I've seen it transform my own life. I've seen the gathering do this. And the person next to me had no, none of, none of the people in the room knew they were, do, they were helping me do this. They were helping me get through this because I would watch them worship with joy. I would watch them, you know, and I, I'm like, man, what is going on? And, and, and it would transform me. The third thing is I, the people that I, I want to emulate, that I see the power of God working mightily in, they've, adopted this pattern of prioritizing gathering in the name of Jesus. That, that there's something about that prioritization that, that makes a difference in their life. And so, and so I do it. I mean, now I, now I do it because I, 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 I won't get paid. But uh, well, back in the day, I would, just go, I would just go because I just I watched this model. So I, it was theologically accurate. I'd seen it already work in my own life, and I watched it work in the lives of others. Let, let me give you a, a switch gears for just a little bit, and, and we'll wrap, wrap it up. But in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote uh, to a church, actually the churches in Ephesus, uh, the, peop, the saints in Ephesus, um, we don't know whether it was just one church or just it just got distributed to many gatherings, which I imagine it did. Um, and, and so he was writing this, and he, he listen to how he describes the gathering. Like, like going to church every Sunday? Yeah, I, I'm with you. That doesn't, I would rather go to the beach or whatever. But, but I don't think I want to miss out on what Paul is about uh, to explain to us. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 19, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Like, let me put it this way. You're you're part of something bigger than yourself. You're not an outcast. You didn't just come into this thing and and and, and, and you're you're a foreigner or a stranger. 
the gathering will allow you to come in. This is why at, at Living Spring we talk about, even if you're not a follower of Jesus just yet, um, that you can still belong before you believe that you can still be a part of this gathering before you have all your theology figured out or all that kind of stuff. And so he says, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Have you ever had a time, and maybe you come from a really dysfunctional family and you've never experienced this, but if you use your imagination, you probably could understand what it would feel like. You're with your family and you're not doing anything. You're just with them. Maybe you're eating hors d'oeuvres or something. You're just with your family. And you think to yourself, because every family has hors d'oeuvres, right? I mean, okay. wow, at least mine does. Okay. Anyway, uh, so you're, you're doing whatever. Stop. You're getting me off topic. So you're with your family, and you're just kicking back, and you look around, and you go, this is awesome. Now, if I were to say to you, how was the time with your family? And you're like, oh, it was just so great. What was great? Um, like, what'd you do? We didn't do anything. Well, did you play a game? No. Did you sing a song? No. Did you, what'd you do? We were just together. This is what it means to be a member of God's household. This is what it means to gather in the name of Jesus. So this morning, you might leave and go, you know, I like the sermon, didn't like the sermon, like the, but the fact that you're just together, experiencing God together. There's something about that. And so Paul's talking about that. And he says, he's also members of his household. He says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And so he's, he's reaching back into um, uh, 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 several centuries and going, this is all part of something much larger. As a matter of fact, one of the most exciting things about our gathering this morning is that there are gatherings happening all over the world. Some gatherings are happening in places where if they were found out, they'd be killed. And yet they're gathering. And so we're connected to something that's happening globally on this very day. For some expressions, it was yesterday and whatever. But we're part of something big. And this is what Paul's trying to get us. And also that it reaches back generations. I was kind of making fun a little bit of some generations before us. But those were faithful saints gathering weekly. And a lot of them, many of them, probably most of them, were trying to live out their salvation with fear and trembling, and they would do it in the gathering. And so he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You just get this, upon this rock I will build my gathering. And it goes on, it says, in him the whole building, that's us, joined together, not building, 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 Joined together, and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't that awesome? God, by his spirit, lives in the gathering. And we are being built up because of it. As Ajua returns, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't leave you with a guilt verse. <clears throat> Not for you, because you're here. It's something you can carry in your back pocket to club people when, uh, when, when you know they didn't go to church on Sunday. Um, no, uh, it, there is a little bit of clubbing in this verse, but um, I, I want you to get why it's so important, okay? It says, 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Like, let's figure out how, how can we... Um, How can we strengthen each other? How can we get to a place where the gathering, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the gathering? How do we do that? And here's the the number one thing the writer of Hebrews brings up. Not giving up meeting together. That's incredible to me. Like, like, like how we spur one another on to loving good deeds. You think, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm just, it's not giving up meeting together. It goes on, as some are in the habit of doing. Now, again, I, I, that's, the, that's the club verse. And so just bring it, and you're like, oh, you were in a church? Huh, that's interesting. You know, I read in Hebrews, uh, you know, and you can kind of do that. Well, you're on your iPhones. So you're probably doing that or whatever. Now, watch. Not giving up meeting together, some in the habit, but encouraging one another. Well, how do you do that? By gathering. It's the very act of gathering that provides the encouragement for some people to get through the week. Now, that might not be you. You might be like, well, I can, I'm doing fine. I just kind of go to church. I just can't tell you how important it is that you're here for the person that needs you here because it's the gathering in the name of Jesus. One of the things we get to do as we gather is take communion together. It's one of the things that uh, the gathering is designed for is to take the body and blood um, of Jesus. We're going to hold off on yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so um, if the ushers would come forward, uh, and maybe for you, you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. Everyone's welcome to the table uh, of Christ. Now, if you feel uncomfortable or you're not, I'm not ready to kind of be that part of the gathering, that's fine. That, that's completely fine. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took... Um, the bread, it was the Passover meal, and he was with his disciples, and he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. He said, this is my body. Now, now what we're about to do this morning is supposed to happen in the gathering. It's not something we just kind of do. You know, you can't be in your car, listen to a worship CD, listen to a preacher, and then, like, right in in the little uh, thing where you have, you know, where you normally have an Egg McMuffin, you you take the the bread and the cup. This is something we do as a gathering. And so he takes the bread and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body that has been broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he blesses it, and he says, "Um, this is my blood that has been poured out for the remission of sins. Whenever you take and eat of this, eat and drink of this. Remember me. And so this is what we do as a gathering. And so as Ajua uh, sings, uh, starts, begins to play a song, when you're ready, you can come up and get um, the bread and the cup and you can take it back to your seat. Some people come here and pray and, um, and you can participate with other people who understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And you might say, well, I'm not ready to take that step yet, but I, I still want to be a part of of the gathering. That's fine. That's fine. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you've made a way for us to experience your presence and power without having to know everything, without having to understand everything, without having to uh, be a part of a ritual, but just that gathering, just being together, the gates of hell cannot prevail against that. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you, that, it, that the, 
the barrier to entry is very low. And Lord, as we take communion and remember what you did on the cross and we declare you as Messiah and we declare you as rabbi and as we do this as a people, Lord, I pray that you would bless us, that you would encourage us. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.